Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from somewhere in the western half of Canada. Episode 66, My Own Way Through. This afternoon, I went for a walk with my partner, a couple friends, and my parents, who were in town visiting for the week. We went down to the ocean and walked along the beach. By beach, I mean a rocky beach, with some sandy patches, but mostly rocks ranging from walnut-sized all the way up to half boulders. It makes for good acupressure on the feet, and careful going, which is just fine when you want to take some time, reconnect with nature and the people you're with, and enjoy the time and space you're in. As sometimes happens when you're taking the trail that nature made, there were some tough spots. We came across the first along the beach, where a creek came out of the hillside and flowed across the rocks to the ocean. The fresh water made for moss and algae, the tides made for seaweed and barnacles, and the rocks sticking out between areas of water made for a dubious path at best. Mom, Dad, and our friends chose to brave the slipperiness of the moss and algae and crossed this wet area across the smaller rocks. I didn't see how they fared with that. I know they made it to the other side safely, but I'm not sure how. Because Randy and I decided to go a different way, across the larger rocks closer to the ocean. These rocks were generally not slippery, a combination of pitting from the sea winds and salt, and an array of deceased barnacles and other hard sea life clinging to the sides and tops of them, but they were also unevenly spaced, and the water was deeper between them. Randy led the way, choosing the rocks of our path with a practiced eye. I followed, a little trepidatiously, especially when we started climbing across fair-sized boulders, or when our path took us over a rock that only had space for one foot. He would stop two rocks ahead and tell me where to step, with a hand ready if I needed it to steady myself. I would let him know if I needed him to move ahead more, if I wanted the rock he was standing on available for my feet should my balance fail me. If I thought that my legs wouldn't stretch to follow where he had gone, I would find my own set of rocks, and we'd meet up again. Once, I tried to shorten the length of the step by using a rock covered in the aforementioned seaweed and algae. Luckily, only part of my weight was on that foot because it slipped off right away, and I had to make a different choice. But eventually, we all met up on the other side and continued up the beach. The second tough spot came when we wanted to climb up from the beach to the trail we knew was there above us. We found what we thought was a path and began up it, but it quickly petered out. Randy had gone off in another direction already, and I looked at the way the rest were going, then around at the rest of the forest. It looked easier going to the right, so I went in that direction to try and skirt the trees and underbrush in our way. My intention was to circle back to my parents and our friends, but every time I looked around, the easier path kept taking me to the right, not back to the left. I heard my dad say, Vanessa's making good time that way, and then later I looked back and couldn't see them. But I knew the path was there, so I kept going. I found my way around trees, both standing and fallen, did not step in the wasp nest I passed by, and then found a dry runoff area and followed it. It ended at the path, though there was about a five and a half foot climb up a rock retaining wall around a culvert to get to it. When I got up to the path and looked around, there everyone was, a few hundred meters down the road to my left, 
We all waved, met back up, and continued our walk. I think sometimes about my life back in Alberta. I had a good job, a house, a partner, a cat, great friends, lots of opportunities. It was, on paper, the perfect life. And yet there was a tension around it that I couldn't explain or put my finger on. Bits and pieces that didn't feel right, that didn't fit. It was the path that I had set out upon many years ago, after university, or perhaps even after high school, or even before that. A familiar path that need not be examined, questioned, or revised. Except it did, and I didn't realize how important it was to do that. I simply ignored how tough the going was getting, didn't look around to see if there was a better way to turn, followed other people through it unquestioningly. It took a significant mental health incident for me to begin even looking around, to see how deep in the forest I had come, to consider if there was a different direction I should be going, and trying to figure out if there was a better path for me. I agreed with Randy about crossing on the drier rocks, even if I didn't always choose the same rocks he did. I agreed with Mom and Dad and our friends about how to start up away from the ocean, even if the way I got to the path diverged from there soon after. That has been my gift to myself this year, the ability to truly examine my surroundings and choose my own way through whatever is ahead, whatever obstacles may come. As knitters, we're used to making yarn substitutions. Maybe we don't have the yarn the pattern calls for, or maybe we don't like the colors or the texture of the yarn, or maybe we're allergic to that fiber, or maybe we have some other yarn in our stash. The point is, as knitters, we're used to looking at what's ahead of us, deciding which path to choose, and making an informed decision. What we should be doing is taking that experience, that kind of critical thinking, and applying it to other pieces of our lives. The more we do that, the more we can create a path that is right for us, every step of the way. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. When I went to the Fiberworks studio and gallery for the spin-in at the end of August, I took my Lendrum and I started a ridiculously fine project on it, and I have decided to continue that project. The way I look at it, one of three things will happen. This is basically a brand new wheel, and I remember my joy being extremely chatty when I first got him. That was my first wheel ever, and I got him brand new. And it took about a year before he settled down, and I was spinning on him a lot. I'd I'd started my master spinner program at that point. So three things, one of three things will happen. Either I will wear this wheel in, and and it will stop being so chatty. I will figure out how to make that noise from the treadle stop, or I'll just get used to it. One of those three things will happen by the time I get to the end of this project, because there's six ounces, so that amounts to 170 grams that I'm spinning ridiculously fine. So by the end of it, one of those three things will happen and and I'll continue that. And I may, you know, take a break between and start doing some more technical spinning on the Lendrum as well. That's the nice thing about having multiple bobbins, multiple flyers. You can just take one off and do something else. So I'm going to continue to do that 
because like I said, I need to, I need to get this sorted out. I need to figure out if this is going to work for me as a teaching wheel. Angora, I actually did spin up a skein of Angora for the fair. I uh, grabbed some of the fawn. I spun it from cloud. The interesting thing about spinning Angora from cloud is that in, in this case, some of the uh, cut ends were a little matted. So that made for some, you know, just, just interesting variation in the texture of the singles. Uh, some of them were a little more kinked and, and that kind of thing. But uh, beautiful skein, about 50 yards or so, give or take, in like just under five grams. <laughs> wow. And, you know, again, spun it, spun it worsted, 100% from the cloud. And even with all the handling that it's gotten just from washing and reskeining, it's already started to develop that beautiful halo, but it is not shedding. That is the really nice thing about properly spun and angora, especially if it's been, the, the rabbit's been treated well and, uh, and it's been um, shorn or, or plucked appropriately. And that skein got a, a best in show rosette at the fall fair, which uh, kind of surprised me because, because like I said, it did have those errors um, or not, maybe not errors, but, but variations in the singles and, and things. But, you know, it's a really beautiful skein. Um, once I get it back, I'll post a picture of it on my Facebook page and, uh, and you can check it out. But that, that's just encouraged me to keep playing with the Angora and, and see what it can do. So uh, I have some Merino and I'll start to, I'll do some blending experiments with it. I'll probably blend in percentages and just sample that way and see how that goes. But that means I have to prepare for flying bunny fur because when I was spinning from the cloud, I was able to keep that bit under control. But when I'm blending, no, there's going to be bunny fur everywhere. So I'll have to... I'll have to sort that out. But those are the sort of the things that I'm doing right now for for you know fiber week and technical spinning and learning. Probably think about more, but I'm my freelance work is ramping up a little bit, so I'm gonna have to, you know, budget my time a little bit more than I have been. So I think I'm gonna continue to focus on the Angora and then, you know, as I as I deal with the Lendrum, I'll start maybe planning out the the TPI and Grist experiment a little bit more. So let's talk level four. We're on to module B1, which is cotton. I'm not 100% sure this module remains in uh, level four. It may or may not. But when we did it, we had to spin one skein on a supported spindle and one skein on a flyer wheel. And so I did that. I spun my supported spindle skein on a Takli and the flyer wheel one, of course, was on a flyer wheel. I have to write a little note about the suitable end use of the yarn. And, you know, I mentioned my flyer wheel one was quite a bit thicker. And looking at it now from a, a slightly more experienced eye, it's actually really thick for cotton. I'd said it was going to be usable for warp. My instructor said, no, I don't think so. And she's right. It's not usable for warp. It's it's too thick and too loosely spun for that. But weft, definitely, it would be okay for that. And then my spent support spindle skein, 
was very uneven in terms of grist and twist. I had a lot of thin sections. And um, my instructor actually suggested I might try spinning cotton on a Russian instead of a Takli, which I never did, which I never did. So that might be an experiment I run myself. I'll grab some cotton from my stash and grab a bunch of different support spindles and see how it spins up on each of them. Because I've been doing a bunch of spinning on a Takli for my Ply Magazine article that's coming up, I'm actually getting much better with supported spindles. So I, I would be curious now that, that I'm kind of in that zone to, to take a bunch of different support spindles and see how they behave with the same kind of fiber. But that will have to be after I'm done my ply spinning. I've got another month to do that, so I've really got to focus on that. But uh, but yeah, I think I will I will run that little minor experiment once I'm done with ply and yeah, see how that works. So even if this module is not in level four and that requirement has been moved into level three that to spin it on a flyer wheel as well as a support spindle, it's good to keep in mind that you will get different results. You know, the, your support spindle skein will be finer because you don't have as much pull. Even if, it doesn't matter how far you reduce your tension on your flyer wheel, it's still gonna have more pull than a support spindle. And if you're having trouble with one kind of support spindle, maybe try a different kind. Those are all options for you. I know I should have reduced the tension even more on my wheel or tried a different wheel if I... Did I still have the joy at that point? I probably did. But that wouldn't have been any better than my, my traditional. So, yeah, six of one, half a dozen the other. I probably achieved what I could achieve with the wheel that I have for my flyer skein. But what I should have done is thought more about suitable end use. Because, yeah, it's not it's not suitable for warp. So that is module B1. Module B2 is all about flax. So we'll have a lot to talk about next episode for level four. Fiber notes. I'll start with the fair since I talked about that in the last segment. I entered eight things in the fair, three knitting and five spinning. And I won a ribbon for every single one. Uh, four, what is it? Uh, uh, eight things I entered, six firsts and two seconds. And that best in show rosette for the Angora skein. And that feels really good. But I was the only one to enter in the spinning categories. <laughs> Now, I was also a volunteer judge. I, I went down and I, I judged uh, a section. So I, I kind of know how it worked. And they wouldn't have given me first place if I hadn't scored over 84% on the skeins that I did there. So so I know that I did fairly well in terms of the you know the technical stuff. And and the, the one second place skein, I, I submitted my my tiger novelty yarn, which was technically not great. And I knew that going in and they gave me a second place for it. And I, that's well-deserved. In fact, I probably should have gotten third place for that because technically it was not a great skein, but, uh, but it was fun. It was really fun to go in and see people's work 
um, what other people are doing in this community and uh, and how talented people are. The section I judged had uh, a junior category and there was an eight-year-old who was phenomenal and and she did excellent excellent work so so that was fun I will do it again next year um it was a it was kind of a long haul I started judging at 6 30 and I didn't pull back home until 10 but uh but it was really fun and and uh and I enjoyed it and I hope other people did too and I had fun putting things in the fair I I just I think it's important and uh, and I, I enjoyed being able to to show people in the community, hey, yes, there are spinning categories. And if you're a spinner, just put something in and and, you know, just have it out there for people to see. So I really like sharing that with the community and, and even people who maybe didn't even know spinning was a category. You know, maybe they're like, I didn't know people spun anymore. Well, yes, they do. And that's how I can show you. So I hope next year I'm not the only one to enter in the spinning categories, and I hope more people enter in the knitting categories. All right, uh, I got my Electric Eel Will Nano back up and running, and so here's my honest opinion of it. It will never be my go-to wheel. That said, it's going to be perfect for spinning on the boat, and I just have to remember two things. I have to remember not to run it at full speed, because that uh, seems to make the motor heat up very fast. And so I have to either spin thicker or slow down my hands, which can make for a more relaxed spin. So those are the two things I need to remember about it. I still have, you know, a project I'm doing on it, and, and I'll, you know, keep plugging away at that a little bit at a time. So am I disappointed in it? No. It is what it is, and it's going to be perfect for what I want to use it for. But like I said, it will never be my go-to wheel. Knitting. I continue to knit on the wedding shawl, and I continue to knit on the pair of socks, and they are both progressing. Pair of socks, I'm hoping to be finished those by the end of this week. Magic Loop's not my favorite way of knitting socks. I find it can be a little tedious and I know the benefit is that that at the end you have a pair of socks and they match because you've done the same thing across the whole the both of pairs but it's just it's not my favorite way of knitting socks so I'm actually looking forward to being done them so I can go back to my double pointed needles and knit socks that way that's okay my wedding shawl the Color changes are starting to happen, or at least one color change has happened. And I'm almost on chart four of six. And I know intellectually that the charts five and chart six will take up a lot of yarn. But I'm really just not emotionally feeling it because I'm not seeing those color changes, you know. But I know that at the end of chart four, I'll be like at 300 and some odd stitches. And at the end of chart five, I'll be up to like 500. I get that. There's going to be a lot more yarn used in chart five, and there's going to be a lot more used in chart six, where we end up at 777 by the end of it. I get that. I just wish there was more happening right now. So I'm just, like I said, intellectually I know these things, emotionally I don't. So I keep 
knitting because I know that once I get to the end of chart four, get into chart five, then I will probably see more of that happening and I'll feel better about it. I still love the pattern. I still think it looks wonderful. I think it's great with this yarn. I'm just hoping there's more than two colors and I know there will be, but I'm hoping there'll be more than three. That's kind of where my brain is right now. So the only way that I'm going to convince myself of this is to keep working on it. So that's what I'm going to do. Like I mentioned in the essay, mom and dad are here for the week and dad brought a second version of his new spindle cape with him for me to test. So as luck would have it, I actually have something I need to wind off. I have almost a full spindle, a full tuckley for the yarn that I'm spinning for ply. So I will be winding that off and then continuing to spin a new spindle full. I'm aiming for a three ply for this because it's ridiculously fine. Really ridiculously fine. Uh, why do I keep doing this to myself? I don't know. But uh, I'm aiming for a three ply just for that bit more heft uh, in the yarn for my friend to design a pattern with. And also because, like I said, ridiculously fine. She's going to be doing a design with cables and cables pop a lot better with a three ply yarn. Now this is going to be so fine anyway that the lace pieces of it will look just fine. You know, even though lace should be a two ply yarn. So that's what I've been working on last couple weeks. Um, going forward, finishing the socks, working on the shawl, maybe casting on something new. I haven't decided yet. I probably shouldn't because I have a couple pairs of socks on the go. I should probably just finish one of those. But, mm, you know, the weather's changing. Maybe, maybe it is time for something new. Cranking on the fiber side. I know I said I hoped we'd have the sock machine up and running by now, but we don't, but it's not, we're close. You know, everything is cleaned for, for the first cylinder and we have some lubricant. What we're missing is emery cloth. We went into Canadian Tire and asked for emery cloth and we specifically had to say to everybody we asked, it's sandpaper for metal. It's, this is not easy to find. I don't, and I don't know why, because don't people still have to sand metal? Anyway, we're going to go looking for some proper emery cloth because we need it. Uh, there's just some buildup and, and rough spots on the cylinder that makes it hard to, to get it fitted into the base. So that needs to just be sanded down a little bit. We have the proper lubricant. It's coming in a one liter jug with no applicator. So we also have to find an applicator. And the new springs have come. I ordered some new springs to hold the needles in. So they're, they've come and we're, we're so close. We're so close to getting it up and running. So I'm not going to say that we will have it up and running by next episode because I don't want to fall into that trap again. But like I said, we're close. And, and to start off with, I'm just going to make tubes. I'm just going to make tubes of sock yarn just because we need to get the get the mechanism working and see how it works. And I'm not going to try and put a heel into it or rib until we know exactly what's going on. Uh, 
and I need to figure out how long the stitches have to be. And there's all kinds of things that I need to figure out with this machine before I can actually start making socks. So we're getting there. We're getting there. And then so once we have all of that done, we'll try out the 60 stitch cylinder and and then we'll figure that part, the rest of it out as we go along. By the wayside. I have officially moved the Q-snaps on the Accolade. I got finished everything that was in that bottom right-hand corner, and so I've moved up. I'm finishing off the night and uh, gonna work on the people on that uh, right-hand side there, get all the back stitching done on them. I'm contemplating whether to do the straight stitch in that area. I'm thinking I might before I move on to the princess and her throne, just because that I think that might work better. Especially the there are some pearl beads to add to the princess's crown, and so I'd like to basically those will be the last things. So and I'd prefer not to keep moving the Q snaps around as well. So doing some straight stitch might break it up a little bit. This uh, this morning I sat down with it and did the knight's collar and it did call for something called split stitch, which uh, I went into the instructions and looked at it and was very confusing because you're supposed to come up in the same spot that you went down and split the two strands and um, and it never really explained to me how you're supposed to be able to keep it from not popping up when you anyway I figured it out I think it looks half decent anyway and it looks different than a regular backstitch so I think that's the look that they're going for anyway again I'm embracing my philosophy of this will be what it will be and everything will be fine so I'll continue working on those people and uh, and then probably do the straight stitch within this uh, this I'll have to move the Q-snap just a little bit to get to the people on the uh, on the far far right and then I'll just I'll probably do the straight stitch and then move on when that will happen not sure but there'll definitely be more progress by the next episode thank you for joining me for episode 66 by the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 67 on September 22nd, 2019. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at bythefiberside, that's F-I-B-R-E, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is by the fiber side.